Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, January 12th, 2023, the 722nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So there is a lot going on today. More Biden docs, more Twitter files. We're going to get to all of that. Might even get into some World Economic Forum stuff that I've just been holding all week and running out of time to do. But first, I want to start where we've been spending a whole bunch of time, which is with the new Congress and what it is they're up to. This morning, Steve Bannon missed War Room and sitting in to host for the second hour was Congressman Matt Gates. And his first guest was Russ Vaught. Russ Vaught served in the Trump administration in the Office of Management and Budget, and he was one of the architects of the negotiations last week in the House. He was one of the leaders of that process behind the scenes to push the America First agenda forward. And this morning on War Room, he discussed with Matt Gates one of the pieces they won in negotiation, and that's the Holman Rule. Are still in it. Let's start with the Holman Rule. Yeah. Talk about what it means for any member of Congress to be able to get up and defund a particular bureaucrat. 
it's huge. And so, you know, I come from the executive agency before uh, this role, and we would have all of these career bureaucrats that we would be having to work with. And the American people would largely not know their names until COVID happened, and now everyone knows who Tony Fauci is. But think about the ability to go to the House floor and have a debate about a particular bureaucrat. That is enormous. It changes the entire game right now. I would have situations where uh, our staff would do anything they possibly could not to necessarily give me what I needed because they were aware, they were worried about their own ability to stay anonymous. The Holman rule makes sure that those career bureaucrats are no longer anonymous and that they are put in the crosshairs in the extent, to the same extent in the arena that you are, that I am. And so that is a, a game changer in having the appropriations debate. Also, not just what the message it sends, but the extent to which it itself focuses the appropriations po- process on the deep state, on the administrative state that exists, that is now woke and it's weaponized. And that has to be the biggest fiscal priority that we have to go after the woke and weaponized bureaucracy. Russ, if we'd have had this tool, we would have obviously directed it at Anthony Fauci, right? So if you're comparing and contrasting, you we would have had the ability, if we had the rules that we now have in place, if we'd have had those in place in the last Congress, you could actually force a vote on funding Fauci or not funding Fauci. As we look at a weaponized system across the apparatus of government, Give us some examples or advice for who are some of the bureaucrats that enjoy their anonymity now? What are some of the agencies we should look at to target and take this tool out of the toolkit mm-hmm. and actually put it to use? Well, there's all sorts of, of the types of people that you'd want to get in with labor HHS and the COVID fascism that we've saw as a result of kind of a lockdown era policies. But we're going to want to use this in Department of Justice. We're going to f- want to find those people that participated in the Russia hoax, that participated in going to FISA and lying to get warrants that are cooked up against the American people. So as you bring that aspect of what you negotiate along with the church-style committee that will sit within judiciary, those are the kinds of things that you can say in real time that makes this enforcing. It's, the battle is certainly not over. we got to show up at every stage. But it is self-enforcing. You enforce it. The 20 enforce it. And that was what makes this different than anything else that we've seen in recent memory, because not only is your vote of no confidence in real speak, the, your motion to vacate uh, present, but you also have the Rules Committee that is is enforcing this on a bill-by-bill basis. So it's enormously um, uh, successful, and you've got a lot of potential to use it against that, that bureaucrat that you identify that's standing in your way at NASA or the EPA. Who's the EPA bureaucrat that put Joe Robertson, 77-year-old Navy veteran, in jail for building four ponds on his ranch to be able to fight wildfires? That's the person we want to use the Holman rule on. Now, that's pretty great. This is how you defang the deep administrative state. Now, people who work for government know that they are going to have personal oversight. If they are operating to promote a corrupt agenda within the federal bureaucracy and they're going outside the bounds of their job, they're violating their fiduciary duty as a public servant of the United States of America, then they can be dealt with by the Congress. They're not just permanently in the federal bureaucracy where they're moved from one position to another and they continue to implement that same agenda on behalf of the same people in a corrupt way. Maybe things could have been different if they had this ability in the last Congress, if someone could have actually began a discussion about Anthony Fauci and what he was really doing from the House floor. And of course, the black pillars out there will say, oh, nothing would have changed. They just would have continued running cover for him. And hey, maybe. All right. A lot of people want to find things wrong with this new Congress. I understand elections were stolen. I understand that we don't have the majority we wanted or the majority we deserve. But the situation is better than it was before. It allows us more options. We've gotten this new weapon that we can use against the enemy. And everybody's like, well, you know, that's not a big enough weapon. I don't think we should bother shooting it at all. Well, hey, that doesn't make any sense. The blackpilling doesn't make any sense. The other day. Republicans brought up a bill to abolish the IRS. 
Fox News reported on this. I'll just go through a bit of it briefly. Fox News Digital has learned that the House will be voting on Georgia Republican Representative Buddy Carter's reintroduced Fair Tax Act that aims to reel in the IRS and remove the national income tax, as well as other taxes, and replace them with a single consumption tax. Jumping down in the article. Specifically, the bill gets rid of the national personal and corporate income taxes and abolishes the IRS, which is slated to hire 87,000 new agents unless congressional Republicans can stop it. And that's what they voted to do the other day, as well as implement a national sales tax. Additionally, the bill gets rid of the death, gift and payroll taxes, and it would replace the current tax code with a national consumption tax. And people responded the same way. Well, that's not going to happen. They're never going to get that done. Not with the Senate, not with Biden. It's just not going to happen. Well, all right. Okay. Maybe it won't happen. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't pay attention to it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be happy that things like this are being brought up. Make someone else make the argument that we need to preserve the IRS, that abolishing the IRS is a bad idea. That's an argument the Democrats and the Republican establishment don't want to have. They don't want to be seen to be supporting the IRS. No one likes the IRS. That is a majority issue. If you polled Americans, I can almost guarantee you, you would have a vast overwhelming majority say, yeah, get rid of the IRS. We should be happy that Republicans bring this up for debate. It's not like I don't get the argument. I've made the argument before, and the argument made even more sense when Donald Trump was the president and would actually veto stuff, stuff that could get through the House and Senate, of course. But think about our reaction versus the way Democrats react when they hear about new bills like this, something that serves their agenda and serves their side. No matter how little chance it has of passing, they get all on board for it. You tell them it's time to defund the police. They're like, sign me up. Let's defund the police. Let's go call everybody racist and hateful if they don't want to defund the police. Now they want to ban gas stoves because apparently that's going to help save the planet from the sun. Is it stupid? Of course. Is it destructive? Absolutely. Do they care? Not at all. So they're going to still go out and argue for their stuff, no matter how bad it is. And when we get opportunities like this to force issues into the public's conversation, and instead we decide, nah, that's not worth talking about because it's never going to happen. Well, we're giving them a free win. Go out there and argue that the IRS is terrible. Does anyone have a problem making that argument? Throw some force behind this. We know we have at least some fighters in the Congress. Maybe they can take that conversation out to the public if the people get behind them and they'll go out and have that conversation on our behalf. And maybe the nation begins to realize that something like that is useful and good and possible. Maybe they realize that the system as it exists right now does not have to exist in this way. We can't just simply win everything all at once. It was a beautiful dream for a while, but now we are in this period. We can see what's happening. We know what's going on. We know how this is advancing forward. We have to continue to advance it slowly. If there are good ideas out there, and if there are people out there willing to push those good ideas on our behalf, that's the point at which it really does become our responsibility to talk about these things with people and push them forward and put our weight behind the people who have made it clear to us, to the extent they can, that they are in office to serve the American people. Now, I want to just briefly mention one more aspect of the changes to Kevin McCarthy's role as speaker. The Democrats all said that Kevin McCarthy through his concessions, was giving away the power of his office. And of course, they packaged that in. He's given all his power away to the far right extremists. But that's not true. He's brought that body back closer to its intended purpose. And he actually has more power, as I mentioned yesterday, in his negotiations with the Senate, with the White House. 
He has the ability to walk away from deals and say, hey, there's no way my caucus is going to go for that. And there's also no way that the rhinos can side with the Democrats because then the members of the 20 can bring up a motion to vacate and halt the process in its place. And the aspect I haven't discussed, the thing that's important to remember is that when you are a politician who has control of the legislative calendar and what actually goes to the floor for a vote, you have the most power, which also makes you the greatest target for influence and corruption and compromise. And that's true in the states as well. It's a well-known thing in Texas that the calendar commissioner is one of the most powerful politicians. No one even thinks about that office. No one knows who the calendar commissioner is, but that office still has quite a bit of power and is easily corruptible. You want to know where lobbying influence goes? That's one of the places. But Kevin McCarthy doesn't seem to be messing around. He's bringing it pretty hard. He addressed to reporters his position on why he's chosen to leave Swalwell and Schiff off of committees. You said you're going to let Democrats appoint their own members to the committee, but you've also indicated you're not going to let them I was very clear early on. Um, let me phrase something very direct to you. If you got the briefing I got from the FBI, you wouldn't have Swalwell on any committee. And you're going to tell me other Democrats couldn't fill that slot? He cannot get a security clearance in the private sector. So would you like to give him a government clearance? You asked me questions about Santos. You asked the questions about Swalwell. Not only was he getting a clearance, he was inside an intel committee. He had more information than the majority of all the members. Did you ever raise that issue? No, which you should have. You're going to tell me there's 200 other Democrats that couldn't fill that slot? but they kept him on it. The only way that they even knew it came forward is when they went to nominate him to the Intel Committee. And then the FBI came and told the leadership then, he's got a problem. And they kept him on. That jeopardized all of us. Adam Schiff openly lied to the American public. He told you he had proof. He told you he didn't know the whistleblower. He put America for four years through an impeachment that he knew was a lie. At the same time we had Ukraine, at the same time we had Afghanistan collapse. Was that the role of the Intel Committee? No. So what I am doing with the Intel Committee, bringing it back to the jurisdiction it's supposed to do, forward looking to keep this country safe, keep the politics out of it. So yes, I'm doing exactly what we're supposed to do. Kevin McCarthy seems ready to go hard. I gotta say, Trump said he deserves a shot. I'm happy to give him a shot. So let's get into the second round of Biden classified documents in the wrong location. They have now found documents. It's reported at his home with some in his garage. But before we get to that, this is Cash Patel on War Room yesterday after the first round of docs had come to light. This will take you a few levels deeper than anything you're going to hear in the mainstream media and begin to tie all of this up so you can begin to see the bigger picture. It's all part of a whole cloth, right? There's there, there are things here that connect us. Go ahead, Cash. There are, Steve, as, I, as one of the themes in my book, Government Gangsters, there are no coincidences between these government gangsters. And if your audience remembers, Eric Charmella, the architect, the fake whistleblower who walked into Adam Schiff's office and created the Ukraine impeachment hoax out of whole cloth and fabricated intelligence. Do you know where he was working in 2016? In the office of the vice president of the United States, Joe Biden, handling East Eurasia matters. That's Ukraine and Russia. And it doesn't just stop there. He then goes into the Trump administration and partners with Fiona Hill, another government gangster, at the White House covering the same topics to conjure up the Ukraine impeachment fiasco. And if that weren't enough, he, Eric Charmella, is the same guy coordinating with the State Department back in 2016, 17, and 18. And the emails are out there for the world to see about firing the Ukrainian prosecutor, which I know you and Rudy Giuliani are going to get into in a second. But I want to fold this together with Susan Rice. Obama's national security advisor, currently in the 
Biden White House. She is running the balls and strikes operation. Look at where this leak today occurred from. Ken Delanian, no friend of Donald Trump or the conservative or truthful reporting. It was put there on purpose because I believe Susan Rice has been running the White House this entire time to kneecap Joe Biden and his son at the same time. And this achieves that. They will prevent Joe Biden from running and exonerate Hunter Biden and enter them into the sidelines of history and have whatever candidate they actually want. Do you think it's a coincidence that two weeks before Joe Biden was set to announce his presidency re-election campaign, this breaks? No coincidences for these government gangsters. There's no coincidences. And by the way, this is the death knell for Biden's uh, uh, presidential run again. You're absolutely correct. I I want to go. Cash, just hang over a second. I want to bring in Rudy. Now, this is multiple levels. It's tying this document thing to Ukraine. It's tying it to Eric Charamella, who was the whistleblower that Adam Schiff got his info from about Ukraine. Remember when he made the transcript up completely on his own of Donald Trump's phone call? And then he ties it back to Susan Rice, who many people believe is orchestrating all of this in coordination with Barack Hussein Obama. And we'll get to a little bit more of that in just a few minutes. But for now, let's go to the source, the New York Times, the gray lady, the paper of record, the mainstream media is breaking this explosive Biden story, just like they've always done broken stories that make Joe Biden look bad. So it's coming from them. Keep that in mind all the time. This is from yesterday. The headline discovery of more classified records raises questions over Biden's handling of documents. President Biden's aides have found a new batch of classified documents at a second location associated with Mr. Biden. A person familiar with the situation said on Wednesday, "Ooh, a person familiar with the situation. It was the second such disclosure in three days, and it was sure to intensify Republican attacks. Republicans reveled in the new disclosures, accusing Mr. Biden of hypocrisy and calling former president Donald J. Trump irresponsible for hoarding sensitive documents at his private club and residence in Florida. This week, the new Republican chairman of the House Oversight Committee issued a far ranging request to the National Archives and Records Administration, which is supposed to receive all highly sensitive materials after an administration leaves office for documents and correspondence. It is not clear where or when the records were recovered, but Mr. Biden's aides have scoured various places since November when his lawyers discovered a handful of classified files, including briefing materials on foreign countries as they closed a think tank office in Washington. The Justice Department is reviewing the discovery to determine how to proceed. So they found his documents in November, early November, before the midterms, we are told. His lawyers found these documents. They discovered a handful of classified files. And his lawyers, being the very responsible people they are, not only turned those documents over, but thought, hey, we should go look for other Biden documents just to see if there are any. On Tuesday, Mr. Biden told reporters in Mexico City that he was surprised to learn in the fall that his lawyers found classified government documents in his former office at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. And the names of these institutions all sound like they were made up by Zoolander. Let's get back to the reason that we're really here. Without much further ado, I give you the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. What is this? A center for ants. What? How can we be expected to teach children to learn how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? And Derek Zoolander makes a great point. How can we expect University of Pennsylvania students to learn anything being taught by Professor Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. at a fake think tank funded by the Chinese Communist Party? It's a mystery. 
the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. He said his staff had fully cooperated with the National Archives and the Justice Department. A day later, NBC News reported that another cache had been found at a different, undisclosed location, although it's been disclosed now. Under government regulations, access to classified documents is limited to people who are currently authorized to see them, and the materials must be stored in special security containers to limit the risk of exposing sensitive information. The Presidential Records Act says official documents in the White House, classified and unclassified alike, should be turned over to the National Archives when an administration departs, except they don't have to be. And President Donald J. Trump had all the rights he needed to declassify the documents and take them with him. After Mr. Trump left office, officials with the archives identified sensitive documents that had not been recovered prompting numerous appeals for their return. The matter was eventually referred to the Justice Department, which conducted a court-approved search of Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate and turned up classified materials, including some bearing the most restrictive top-secret markings. By contrast, the first set of documents found by Mr. Biden's lawyers was voluntarily returned to the archives in November and had not been logged as missing. It is not clear if the archives had flagged the new materials. Yeah, see, the archives didn't even know they were gone, so surely they couldn't have been that important. And because he gave them back voluntarily, that means he's not responsible for taking them for years and years and keeping them in his garage. Don't you see they've done everything right? A spokesman for the archives declined to comment. The discovery of the second batch raises new questions about the handling of sensitive documents by a Biden team that has prided itself for adhering to norms and rules flouted by his predecessor. Don't you get it? Biden is a return to normalcy. Biden is what it means to have the adults back in the room, people who respect our norms. But the circumstances of the two cases appear strikingly different. Unlike Mr. Trump, who resisted returning the records stored at Mar-a-Lago and failed to fully comply with a subpoena, Mr. Biden's team appears to have acted swiftly and in accordance with the law, immediately summoning officials within the National Archives to retrieve the files. The archives then alerted the Justice Department, according to the White House, after I was briefed about the discovery, I was surprised to learn that there are any government records that were taken to that office, Mr. Biden said in Mexico. But I don't know what's in the documents, he added. And all of his statements for the last few days about this issue, it's worth noting, have been read off a paper in front of him. On Wednesday, the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, refused to address the issue, saying it would be inappropriate to comment on a matter under review by the Justice Department. We don't have to answer. She also declined to provide details of searches undertaken by Mr. Biden's legal team after the first batch of files was discovered and did not respond when asked about the possibility that other sensitive materials dating to the Obama era were stored at other Biden related locations. I'm not going to go beyond what the president shared yesterday, she said. I'm not going to go beyond what my colleagues at the White House Council shared with all of you as well. I would never go beyond anything. Attorney General Merrick B. Garland, whose time in office has been largely defined by two criminal investigations involving Mr. Trump. <laughs> That's not how the American people see it, New York Times. That is not what Merrick Garland has so far been known for assigned the preliminary phase of the Biden inquiry to John R. Lausch Jr., the U.S. attorney in Chicago, a Trump appointee. But the inevitable comparison of the Trump documents case with the Biden matter has put new pressure on Mr. Garland to appoint a special counsel to investigate Mr. Biden's handling of government files. And as we will get to in a bit, Mr. Garland has now appointed that special counsel in November, days after Mr. Trump announced his third bid for the presidency. Mr. Garland assigned a special counsel, Jack Smith, 
to oversee the investigation into Mr. Trump's role in the January 6th attack and the inquiry into whether he illegally kept classified materials at Mar-a-Lago. Mr. Lausch's review is aimed at helping Mr. Garland decide whether to appoint a special counsel, which appears increasingly likely, according to people familiar with the situation. Mr. Garland has been briefed on the inquiry according to a person familiar with the situation, though it is unclear if he has made a decision. Well, now it's clear. Thank goodness they have people so familiar with the situation from whom to glean all of this new information and then communicate it to us in full truth and objectivity. If the legal implications of this week's revelations remain unclear, the political implications are more obvious. Republicans eager to move on from the rancor of their recent House leadership fight. Oh, yes, they're so upset. Hope to spin the Biden matter into an attack that sustains a protracted congressional investigation that damages Mr. Biden and blunts the effects of Mr. Trump's troubles on the party. On Tuesday, Representative James Comer, Republican of Kentucky and chairman of the House Oversight Committee, asked the archives and the White House Counsel's Office for correspondence about Mr. Biden's, quote, failure to return highly classified records from his time as vice president, end quote. On Wednesday, he took another step in keeping with his promise to hold the Biden administration accountable for what Republicans describe as politicizing federal agencies, pressing the Treasury Department for information about Mr. Biden's family finances. Republicans reveled in Wednesday's disclosure. Hey, uh, Glenn Thrush, you said exactly that at the beginning of this article. Literally, the first sentence in the second paragraph, Republicans reveled in the new disclosures. Then right down at the end, Republicans reveled in Wednesday's disclosure. Oh, you guys are so smart. Such good writers. Gosh, what a standard they have at the New York Times. It's clear that Biden's staff have no idea how many classified documents are in Biden's former offices and are desperately looking for them. Tommy Piggott, the Rapid Response Director of the Republican National Committee wrote in an email. Hey, everybody, the New York Times giving you the full, unvarnished, objective truth about everything absolutely first. Now, they didn't get a single whiff of this for well over two months, apparently. And now they're trying to spin it in very, very strange ways to still make it sound like Donald Trump is guilty of something that Joe Biden is actually guilty of. And when I discussed the levels upon levels in that little clip from Cash Patel, here's why it's important, because we have to be well below the surface in where we're looking if we want to understand what's actually going on. We do not want to get caught in these really dumb and pointless conversations with the child brains out there about how. Biden is good and Trump is bad, or both of them did the exact same thing. Nope, that's not what happened. The Trump story is totally nothing. Donald Trump had every right to declassify those files and then take those declassified files with him as part of his presidential records. Joe Biden had no ability to declassify these files and could not take classified information with him. All of the details and the opinions and the perspective from the media about how Donald Trump actually meant to do it, but Joe Biden didn't mean to do it. And Donald Trump, well, he didn't turn over enough stuff at the right time, even though his attorneys were working to do exactly that with the National Archives. And Biden did. Biden never wanted to take the stuff and he always wanted to give it back. So he's good. His heart was good. His heart was in the right place. Whereas that mean old evil Donald Trump, he was just being wrong the whole time on purpose. He did it to hurt the country. He was probably going to sell our nuclear secrets to North Korea. And he's mean and he's orange and he's racist. And that's how basically any conversation with a child brained communist goes. They start at your level. You're like, oh, this is just a fellow adult. I understand what's going on here. We're going to have a conversation. And then within 30 or 40 seconds, you're like, wow, this person has uh, devolved into something a little more clueless than a kindergartner. Once you're down a few levels deep and you know the story in a much bigger way than the media is communicating, 
that's when you have the ability to just say to one of these child brains, come on, you don't really believe that, do you? And ooh, that's going to throw them off their game. They'll be like, what do you mean? What do you mean I don't really believe it? Of course I believe it. It's the truth. And then they try to start playing a game of links and sources and you say, hey, Kami, your links and sources don't matter. That's not what's going on. I don't even really care what you think about who the good guy and the bad guy is. We're not playing good guys and bad guys here. We're actually saying, here's what's actually happening, Kami. Open your eyes. So what does the fake president think about all of this? Well, Fox News' Peter Ducey asked him in one of the silliest exchanges I've ever seen. It's hard to believe this stuff is real. It's probably because it isn't, you know, at all. It's all fake. Come on. It's the television. It's just the television. Listen to this and you will see what I mean. Let me, uh, we're going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like they're sitting out in the street. But anyway, yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, But as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified material seriously. I also said we're cooperating fully and completely with the Justice Department's review. As part of that process, my lawyers reviewed other places where documents uh, from my time as vice president were stored, and they finished the review last night. They discovered a small number of documents of classified markings and storage areas and file cabinets in my home and my, in my, my, my personal library. This was done in the case of the Biden Penn, and th- this was done in the case of the Biden Penn Center. The Department of Justice was immediately, as was done, the Department of Justice was immediately cl- uh, uh, no- notified and uh, the lawyers arranged for the Department of Justice to take possession of the document. So you're going to see, we're going to see all this unfold. I'm confident. Thank you very much. Ah, he's such a real president. He read that whole response off a paper, if you call that reading. So the fake president wants you to know that he has done everything right. As he said the other day, everyone knows I take classified materials very seriously. So there's no way that I could have done something wrong. What, me lie? I'm old Scranton Joe. Come on, man. Hey, Jack, not a lie. No joke. No joke. No joke. No joke. But let's hear from a real president. This is what Donald J. Trump posted on Truth Social this morning. The special prosecutor assigned to the Get Trump case, Jack Smith, question mark. And it's an interesting question mark. What is he saying about Jack Smith. Is there something about Jack Smith that's not real? Is a Trump-hating thug whose wife is a serial and open Trump-hater, whose friends and other family members are even worse, and as a prosecutor in Europe, according to Rick Grinnell, put a high government official in prison because he was a Trump-positive person. Smith is known as, quote, an unfair savage, end quote, and his best friends with the craziest Trump haters, including Lisa Monaco, who runs Injustice. The boxes scam is a hoax. For seven years from the day I came down the escalator in Trump Tower, the Democrat Party has weaponized the legal system using city, state and federal law enforcement against me and the Republican Party as though they were a private protection agency. The greatest witch hunt in American history must end now. I beat the fake impeachments, the disgraceful Mueller persecution, and much else that the fake news doesn't want to write or talk about. But this charade must stop now. Fire a man who may very well turn out to be a criminal, Jack Smith. His conflicts, unfairness, and mental state of derangement make him totally unfit for the job of, quote unquote, getting Trump. 
Go after Biden and the Biden crime family instead. Like Bill Barr, the U.S. attorneys in Delaware and Illinois are weak, ineffective, and afraid to do what must be done. The election was rigged, and we are now losing our country. We can't let that happen. Make America great again. So Donald Trump is hammering hard at Joe Biden and at the special counsel appointed to review his documents case, what he calls the boxes scam. And he's encouraging the appointment of a special prosecutor to investigate Joe Biden. Cash Patel this morning on Truth Social highlighted a tweet from last night by what may well be an anon account, Glenn White One, that says, so Cash Patel just stated that Susan Rice is behind this Biden classified docs unveiling for the express purpose of exiting Joe Biden out of office and to also take out Hunter. Cash wrote, "Uh oh, someone's on to something. We never bend the knee. And then D.C. Drano, Rogan O'Handley had an interesting post as well that is worth highlighting. He wrote, who thinks this drip drip discovery of Biden's stolen classified docs is just a ploy to get him out of the way for Gavin Newsom to run in 2024? Plus, if he drops out, there will be pressure for Trump to drop out, too, since they, quote, did the same thing. I think I see their plan now. So I don't know about Gavin Newsom in 2024. I'm not sure that's part of the plan. But the second half here that the media is going to claim that if and when Biden is taken out, and this does seem like a play to remove Biden and replace him with someone else, whether that's Kamala Harris or who knows, the media may well try to spin the story and claim that Donald Trump should also stand aside and not run for president in 2024. Not that he conceded in 2020. He most certainly did not. But that he would have to. He would morally have to. They would sell the case to the public. Donald Trump can't run because Joe Biden did the right thing and stepped down because of these classified documents. But Donald Trump is still running. Well, that doesn't matter. People got upset reading this. But the point's not that Donald Trump's actually going to step down from ridiculous public pressure about a fake issue. Of course, he's not going to do that. We should just be prepared for the media attempting this play, this narrative deployment, as my buddy Burning Bright would call it. And Cash Patel highlighting this is interesting. I assume very safely that Cash Patel has an intimate understanding of everything that happened and every way they're trying to rectify these situations. It's unlikely, in my view, that he would highlight a post like this unless that was potentially where we were headed. So an effort by Susan Rice on behalf of or in coordination with, of course, Barack Hussein Obama to take Joe Biden out of office and replace him. And this goes back to something that I speculated on in the fall of 2020. One of my most immediate reactions to the Hunter Biden laptop revelation was, well, surely Obama knew about this. The FBI and the CIA knew about this. All sorts of people knew about the Hunter Biden laptop. They knew about Joe Biden's criminal history. They know about the degeneracy and perversion in Joe Biden's past. They very likely knew about Ashley Biden's diary. But who knows? That part's not entirely relevant. They certainly knew that he had been mentored in politics for decades by a former Klan leader. They certainly knew he was physically deteriorating. They certainly knew he can't control the things that come out of his mouth. But they made him the nominee anyway. And then they stole an election to make him president. So why would they do all of that, knowing that Joe Biden was so vulnerable on so many different levels? And what I said at the time and what seems to be becoming more clear now is that Joe Biden was being set up as a fall guy. And what a fall guy is, is the person that everything can be blamed on. They can shift all of the weight of all of this corruption and criminality, the dirty dealings in Ukraine and everywhere else, everything that touches that laptop, 
Joe Biden can be made to seem the mastermind of all of it. The deep state, the Obamas of the world, the Clintons of the world, everybody knows all of this stuff. And it was only a matter of time until it was all used, until all of this became public knowledge, even though they tried to hide it for a long time. They wanted Joe Biden's election to be believable. That's why you censor the laptop. It's not like they couldn't have stolen their way to a win. It's that the people have to believe and accept it. So taking Joe Biden out now would, in the public's mind, perhaps make the Hunter Biden laptop a moot point. They don't really know what's on that laptop yet. They still think it's like Hunter Biden revenge porn and just videos of Hunter smoking crack with hookers. And it is all those things, but it's also proof of rampant criminality and corruption by the Biden crime family and many of the people who are associated with the Bidens in politics and have been associated with the Bidens in politics over many, many years. So if they were somehow able to stop the Hunter Biden laptop story dead in its tracks, that might benefit them. Joe Biden was never going to make it a long way. That's why they keep talking about how he's going to run in 2024. Does anyone believe that? Do the people saying it believe it? Do the people saying we believe Joe Biden has the best chance to beat Donald Trump in 2024 actually believe that? Now, there might be people out there who are dumb enough to think that Joe Biden is doing a good job. There absolutely are those kinds of clueless liberals out there. But that idea is not realistic and it's not sustainable. They might believe they can get Joe Biden out of office. Give Kamala Harris the two years. Let her run in 2024. Let her run again in 2028 because not serving Biden's full term. If she goes into office sometime later than next Friday, well, she gets to finish out this term and then run again twice. So we must consider whether this story is actually an attempt to allow Joe Biden to be the good guy. He can step down. He can say this controversy has made it too difficult for me to do my job and I'm going to step back and the Biden laptop story can go away after that point. Someone else will be in his position. He has been able to entirely wreck the country for two years and some other Democrat can then step into his place, turn the knob down a little bit on the Great Reset's impact in America, at least for this year. I'm sure they'll turn it right back up next year and create all possible drama, including maybe new pandemics. They would love a new pandemic, but it would give them the opportunity to say all these things that you don't like about what we've done the last couple of years. Well, that was all under Joe Biden. And now we have President Harris or someone else. And just look at how great they are. And then maybe people don't care so much about the congressional investigations into Joe Biden. They're not paying attention anymore. He's not fake president anymore. Now he's just a doddering old man in private life who can barely keep from crapping his own pants next to the Pope. Let's just leave him alone. And then they pretend all of the crime and political corruption of all these last many years, including and especially the Obama-Biden administration and the fake Biden administration, all of that doesn't matter now. We're in a new age. We need to move forward. We can't dwell on the past. And then the whole thing just goes away. And this is the sort of thing you can pull off when you have full control of the media, full control of the censorship apparatus, and full control over the elections. You could actually do all of this, pull it off and try to make all these bad issues go away. And it seems like that might be exactly what they're going for. So late this morning, Donald Trump posted this on Truth Social. Merrick Garland has to immediately end special counsel investigation into anything related to me because I did everything right and appoint a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden, who hates Biden as much as Jack Smith hates me. And interestingly, Cash Patel himself had a different take on things. He said, these generic calls for a special counsel on Biden is a bad idea. Garland gets to pick. Ray gets to investigate. 
They will prop up a pony to whitewash the whole thing. Focus on our policy that works. As I've said since jump, more and more bad info will come out on Biden because the Dems that are actually in charge, Susan Rice and the Obamas, want and will take him out, not us. And that's an interesting interplay between two positions of people who are both intimately involved in the situation and people who are both well-trusted by virtually all of MAGA and America First and the truth community at large. Think back to last week. We saw two opposing sides within our movement. People had different views about what should be done in the election of Speaker of the House. And it turned out that both of those views that seemed to be in opposition, both of those positions were advanced really passionately by both sides until they eventually ended up at the same point. And that's what I discussed in the episode I released over the weekend called Trump One. But now the issue of whether or not there will be a special counsel is moot because this afternoon, Merrick Garland named a special counsel. Here is his brief speech. They notified the designated members of each House of Congress of the appointment. I'm joined today by John Lausch, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Illinois, who conducted the initial investigation into the matter that I will describe today. On the evening of November 4th, 2022, the National Archives Office of Inspector General contacted a prosecutor at the Department of Justice. It informed him that the White House had notified the archives that documents bearing classification markings were identified at the office of the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement located in Washington, D.C. That office was not authorized for storage of classified documents. The prosecutor was also advised that those documents had been secured in an archives facility. On November 9th, the FBI commenced an assessment consistent with standard protocols to understand whether classified information had been mishandled in violation of federal law. On November 14th, pursuant to Section 600.2B of the Special Counsel Regulations, I assigned U.S. Attorney Lausch to conduct an initial investigation to inform my decision whether to appoint a special counsel. Mr. Lausch has served as the U.S. Attorney in Chicago since 2017. Before that, he spent more than a decade as an assistant U.S. Attorney in that same office. I selected him to conduct the initial investigation because I was confident his experience would ensure that it would be done professionally and expeditiously. On December 20th, President Biden's personal counsel informed Mr. Lausch that additional documents bearing classification markings were identified in the garage of the president's private residence in Wilmington, Delaware. President Biden's counsel informed Mr. Lausch that those documents were among other records from the period of the president's service as vice president. The FBI went to the location and secured those documents. On January 5th, 2023, Mr. Lausch briefed me on the results of his initial investigation and advised me that further investigation by a special counsel was warranted. Based on Mr. Lausch's initial investigation, I concluded that under the special counsel regulations, it was in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. In the days since, while Mr. Lausch continued the investigation, the department identified Mr. Herr for appointment as special counsel. This morning, President Biden's personal counsel called Mr. Lausch and stated that an additional document bearing classification markings was identified at the president's personal residence in Wilmington, Delaware. When I first contacted Mr. Lausch about this matter, he said he could lead the initial investigation, but would be unable to accept any longer term assignment because he would be leaving the department in early 2023 for the private sector. U.S. Attorney Lausch and his team of prosecutors and agents have conducted this initial investigation with professionalism and speed. I am grateful to them. Earlier today, I signed an order appointing Robert Herr a special counsel for the matter I've just described. The document authorizes him to investigate whether any person or entity violated the law in connection with this matter. The special counsel will not be subject to the day-to-day -day supervision of any official of the department, 
but he must comply with the regulations, procedures, and policies of the department. And then Merrick Garland gets into describing the new special counsel, a man by the name of Robert Hur, H-U-R. And if you want to get into all the nitty gritty on that, the best person to follow, of course, is my friend Kyle, Just Human on Telegram and Truth and wherever else. He has his own show on Badlands. I mentioned yesterday how he had written a piece called Templates after the Mar-a-Lago raid talking about how this would be a template for future stories. And he has long theorized that a special counsel would be appointed by Merrick Garland to investigate the Biden situation. And now we have that. So Kyle's been on fire this week. If you have not previously, and you are very interested in these stories and in the John Durham stuff and all of the legal stuff going on kind of just under the radar He's a great person to follow. So reacting to the appointment of the special counsel, Cash Patel posted these two posts on Truth Social. The swamp never stops. Garland appoints Rosenstein protege as special counsel. He's referring to Rod Rosenstein here. I hate saying I told you so. Instead of responding to our Russiagate subpoenas, Hot Rod and his minion, Her were busy issuing subpoenas against me in 2017 to spy on me and Devin Nunes. And in meetings in Rosenstein's office where we demanded docs, he actually asked us to help him get her confirmed with the inherent statement, no help, no docs, ultimate government gangsters. He continues, Rosenstein appointed Mueller special counsel, and now Garland appoints Rosenstein Jr., his protege, special counsel. Y'all finally picking up what we've been putting down. All roads lead to Russiagate and special counsels are handpicked government gangsters. So this is a very interesting and complex situation. And we're going to learn quite a bit more as this develops about a whole range of characters that we haven't talked about in a pretty long time, particularly Susan Rice, people like Rod Rosenstein. But let's make sure not to attach ourselves too firmly to any of our initial impressions and initial positions because this entire situation is in flux and the narrative in itself is inconsistent on multiple levels. What sounds like it might be the worst thing ever for the regime could very well be something that the regime has had planned for a long time. The key is to not take our eyes off it even if they do remove Biden from the office of fake president. Whatever Joe Biden's stature or perceived stature may be, the people above him in the regime certainly do not care about him. That's the thing about regimes like this, these communist regimes, the hierarchies within the party of false decorum, the people on the higher rungs Use the people on the lower rungs. The people on the lower rungs try to get up to those higher rungs by being particularly useful or corrupting themselves and compromising themselves in ways that others aren't willing to do. There's no honor there. There's no loyalty there. Joe Biden can absolutely be made to walk the plank. They can just toss him overboard if they want, and they may well do that. Now, I'm not going to have time for the Twitter files today. I'll do that tomorrow. But I do want to point out a really interesting article posted yesterday by none other than Roger Stone. Now, Roger Stone, to me, is the wildest of wild cards. I don't know if he's a good guy. I don't know if he's a bad guy. I don't know if he's always playing both sides. I don't understand who exactly Roger Stone is and what he represents. I'm not sure anyone does. That's kind of Roger Stone's thing, but he posted this yesterday and it is absolutely newsworthy and it's absolutely a piece of information that you need to be conscious of when you're considering other things. The headline on his Substack is Nixon threatened to reveal the CIA's involvement in the Kennedy assassination. A stunning, long overlooked Nixon Watergate era tape shows Richard Nixon warning CIA director Richard Helms that he knows of CIA involvement in the murder of John F. Kennedy. Quote, unquote, 
I know who shot John. This shocking new tape depicts Nixon increasingly besieged by Watergate, but unaware that at least four of the Watergate burglars were still on the CIA payroll at the time of the break in and that the CIA had thus infiltrated the burglary team. Recently declassified documents reveal that Watergate special prosecutor Nick Ackerman was aware of both the CIA's advanced knowledge and involvement in the break in, but said and did nothing. And you got to remember Roger Stone has a big tattoo of Richard Nixon's face right on his back. Senator Howard Baker, the Republican leader on the Senate Watergate Committee and his counsel, Fred Thompson himself, a future U.S. senator from Tennessee, like Baker, stumbled on the CIA's deep advanced knowledge and direct involvement in the Watergate break-in. Baker and Thompson both knew that at least four of the Watergate burglars were on the CIA payroll at the time of the break-in, and that through creep security director James McCord had infiltrated the burglary team. Senate Watergate Committee Chairman Sam Irvin stoutly refused to allow Baker and the committee Republicans, including Edward J. Gurney of Florida, the right to publish a minority report which noted this stunning information regarding the CIA. Nixon deeply distrusted the CIA because he knew that President Eisenhower had ordered the agency to give top secret briefings to both Nixon and Kennedy after both were the certain nominees of their parties. Nixon was sore that Kennedy utilized the information in their debates, attacking Nixon for being soft on communist Cuba, knowing full well that Nixon had chaired a working group as vice president overseeing preparations for the Bay of Pigs invasion. Nixon, of course, could not reveal this upcoming attempt to topple Castro in the details. White House domestic policy chief John Ehrlichman wrote that when he served as the White House legal counsel, Nixon ordered him to request that the CIA hand over all documents pertaining to John Kennedy's murder. Nixon was furious when Richard Helms, the CIA director, refused his presidential order to hand them over. This stunning new Watergate era tape captures an increasingly besieged Nixon, desperately seeking to mobilize the CIA in his defense by threatening to expose their greatest secrets. Nixon also knew that Congressman Gerald Ford, as a member of the Warren Commission, had, at the explicit direction of J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI director, altered the official autopsy diagram for President John F. Kennedy, moving the marking from a bullet in his upper back to his neck in order to accommodate the single bullet theory and to conceal the fact that Kennedy had been hit with more than the reported three shots. Nixon was acutely aware of Ford's act of treachery in concealing the truth about Kennedy's murder and the CIA's involvement in it. White House Chief of Staff General Alexander Haig told me in an interview that, quote, Nixon had Ford by the balls, end quote. The five star general said, quote, Nixon had me tell Ford that if he was going down, he was taking everybody with him. So the CIA was involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and then the CIA was involved in taking down Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford, who then became president, was personally responsible in altering the evidence of John F. Kennedy's assassination. Gerald Ford had Nelson D. Rockefeller as his vice president and then lost to Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter was then replaced by Ronald Reagan. And once Reagan served his eight years, he was replaced by George H.W. Bush, who was former director of the CIA. And the deep state has grown and prospered ever since. So we get that little respite with Reagan. But we can see how this string of events goes all the way back to the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And maybe this enduring string of corruption is why they're still not releasing all of those John F. Kennedy documents. Now, I'm not going to have time to do the Twitter files today. Going to do that tomorrow. But a lot of revelations this week, man. These last few weeks have just been one thing after the next. It's incredible times we're living in. 
And I hope that you can get at least some enjoyment out of watching all of this develop. It really is amazing. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!